I'm going to do a podcast voice now. Be a fair podcast voice to me. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're okay. All right. All right. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the podcast chats. And we have probably got the most special guest you could possibly have on this podcast today. The man who makes this happen. The man who got me into it as well and helped me out for them many months before I even started. And we've got the podcast editor, Phil. Hello. Podcast. How you doing? So, Phil, you know. That's very nice of you. <laughs> no, you are the most special person because otherwise, without this, without you, you helped me for like months before, didn't you? Like what gear to get and what to do. And yeah, I think I messaged you. Was it maybe this? Was it the summertime? I think. And then we Something only like that. we only started in the winter, didn't we? Yeah. And investing that much like time and energy and effort into me without like giving you any kind of money back for that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I really, I really appreciate that, and that's why obviously went with you and I've stuck with you throughout because I just think well, I, I think. Reflecting, you helped me too, because mm. you were one of my first clients. Mm. So I thought, you know, what do you, how, how do you get your first clients? You know, so you've got to give before you receive, don't you? I think mm. so. Yeah. I was just, I could see how enthusiastic you were. And I thought, you know, yeah, let's get this guy podcasting and let's do this. Mm. So it was a first for me for doing video as well. So that was going to push me out of my comfort zone. Mm. So. Yeah. No, it was a mutual. Yeah, mutually beneficial. Mutually beneficial, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know exactly how this podcast starts then, don't you? Because you've edited the odd <laughs> episode. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, introduce yeah. yourself then to anybody that will be listening oh, or well, watching. I forgot about that. But <laughs> I forget to tell guests that anyway. Yeah. Okay. Hi, my name's Philip Brett King. I'm a podcast service provider. I help people launch and edit their podcasts. And I'm also, I won't say anything because I think that's going to be in my three, t- three, uh, three things. So, yeah. So that's me. I'm, I just like help people sound great online. Nice. And then, yeah, let's go into in the three facts and. Okay. Did you struggle with this? Cause loads of people struggle with this. I, I did at first, but then I talked to my fiance and she was like, what about that? And that, like, oh yeah. <laughs> so fact number one, I'm a professional voice actor. So I've appeared on a few adverts, not many big ones, but I've done Facebook and Dell and stuff like that. And I've also been a few characters in the Inquisitor Martyr Warhammer 40k as I was Bosterheim and I was also a, a priest as well, which was quite funny. So yeah, I've done a few things I've done there. Number two, I won 400 pounds on a live TV show with Davina McCall. I was, that was The Vault. Mm-hmm. And what was the other one? Kind of for the life of me, think of the other <laughs> one. Talk about the first two. And <laughs> I'll think about the one. So, so the first one is in voice acting. Yeah. We spoke about that before, haven't we? But how, how did you get into it in the first place? How did you think I've got a really nice voice and people are going to pay me to do work? I didn't come from that angle, I yeah. didn't think about my voice or anything. Hmm. And when I, when I moved to, I moved to London about 98, 99 in a band. Ah, that's my third one. <laughs> I just remembered. We almost played at the Phoenix bar in LA. Oh, really? My band. Yeah. Who's the guy that owned Phoenix band? Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Johnny yeah, Depp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we nearly played there, but it all got cancelled. Cool. That's my third one. <laughs> no, so voice acting. So when I moved to London, 98, got to work for a company called Lude, 
which mm. was an advertising classified paper. Yes. And where I was in the marketing department, a lot of the, we had to look at certain things and I came across voice over there and I thought, oh, that looks, you know, that could be a side hustle, you know. Mm. So I looked locally and this guy in a massive studio said, yeah, it's going to be 200 pounds for this and it's going to be 400 pounds for this. And I, I, oh, right. Okay. I didn't know anything, didn't know anything about it. So I thought oh, that idea is a bit too much for me to, you know, go into. Yeah. Then fast forward 15 years later, probably, or maybe 10 years later, broadband disappeared, mm. getting bigger is massive. And I was in my role. I worked for the hospital for a university and putting medical students through hospital. And while I was there, I went on YouTube and I found a guy called Bill Weiss, who was an American voice actor. And all his shtick was, you can be a voice actor from home. And I watched all of his videos and I went, okay, okay, I can do this. So I've got my little voice booth in behind here, which I'll show you later. Yeah. And so I put that all together. I started going on these websites called pay to play. So you pay them 200 quid for a yearly subscription and they'd send you all the auditions that you wanted to do. So I'd basically be coming home from work, doing two hours of auditions. If they were coming through, I might do maybe 10, five to 10 a day. And then one day somebody on Facebook said, can you do this? And I went, okay. And they said, we've only got this much money. I went, is that fine? So I did that. And then just started getting little jobs. And basically after about a year, I started to get a lot of, a lot of jobs, probably about 10% of all the auditions I did, I would get, which is quite high yes. at the time. I don't know. Maybe it was my sort of type of voice because I don't really have an accent, even though I was born in Wales and I'm Welsh. I don't have a Welsh accent. Well, I could put one on for you if you want, <laughs> but I don't know. It just something just clicked and I just get all these jobs and then started getting bigger clients contacting me. And I've got, I don't go on these pay to play sites anymore. I've got a quite a reliant base of clients that come back to me for stuff. Most of it's all corporate stuff. So lawyers wanting new laws on their website. So I do that so that fresh new lawyers can learn the law. So, you know, don't, don't te test me on any laws, but I've, <laughs> you know, I've read, I've read thousands and thousands of pages of the law and, you know, and marketing and housing and, you know, different ways police can nab you. But yeah, that's very interesting. And it was my main hustle for, I left the hospital after eight years and I just went for it because I was almost getting the same amount of money. And I, well, not as much, but I thought if I would do it full time, I bet you I could make as much as I was in my full time job. So I took a leap of faith. My fiance at the time went go for it. So I had her support as well, which is great. She's my rock. And uh, yeah, I went for it. And first year, not so bad. Second year, better. Third year, even better. So it kept exponentially getting better. Yeah. And so I was doing that. So it was quite good. And then of course, I started to think of other things I could make money with because the voiceover industry is very sporadic and you might get a, like, it's like buses. You might get nothing and then you'll get three all at once. Mm. But it's like brand deals and or creators and stuff, isn't it? Like you can get yeah. a few brand deals one month and then the next month you may not get anything, isn't it? Yeah. I suppose, yeah. Exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the, the one thing I was struggling because I, I, I knew nothing about managing my own business. I was just winging it. Yeah. And thinking, well, as long as I can cover the rent and the bills, I'm doing all right, mm. you know? So yeah, I was sort of had that mentality because I've, I've always sort of winged it really. Yeah. I've never had a, 
an ambition to do something. I've always sort of fallen into doing something. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I was I, never like yourself selling LucasAid at school <laughs> and making the mint, you know, and <laughs> stuff. If I'd have thought of that then, I thought, wow, well, why didn't I think, you know, but no, I was just a kid and just, just going along with the flow and trying to just fit in. Yeah. yeah. So then the second one was the 400 pounds with D- Davina McCall. Just turn my phone off. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I was working in London. And basically I was working for loot. I was in the property department doing cold calling. It was a horrible job. I hated every second of yeah. it. And then a call out of the blue. We're filming a new game show called The Vault with Davina McCall. We'd like you to be a participant in the first show so we can get, get it going. Yeah. And I talked to my manager at the time and said, I need three days off. She went, yeah, fine. So I went, awesome. Went down to Teddington Lock. I think it was luckily, you know, not too far from it there. Mm. And lots of other people, they put us in a room and they did tests on us all. Not everybody made it through. I think if you look it up on YouTube now, you'll see that, I don't know if everybody's seen the vault, but you have oh, sort yeah. of three contestants on the left and two on the right. And the two on the right had the chance to make the big bucks. And the three on the left was sort of trying to take that from them, through yeah. questions. So I got friendly with, there was an old lady from Glasgow. I think it was Glasgow or Edinburgh. And she'd never left Scotland anyway. And she was there with her niece mm-hmm. and she was in the big seat and we got on well. And I took her on the bus around London on the Decker bus and showing her the sights and all this sort of stuff. She went on to win 11 grand. No yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> I was so pleased for her. And the guy she was up against was a bit greedy because I could have got him a lot more money the way the game worked. Hmm. I ended up getting 400 quid, but I could have had a bit more. But he was a bit greedy and so he didn't take my answer and so he lost and uh, 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 the, the lady from Scotland went on to win it? all the money. Yeah. But it was great. So the half of the show was recorded, but the 15 minutes were live. So it was on live telly. Uh, yeah. It was quite an experience. I was gonna yeah. Say, yeah. All my friends were laughing at me on the telly when I got home. <laughs> <laughs> Did you always yeah. want to be on TV or is it just like kind of no, just you got the phone call and you're like, God, it was a one off. It sounded like an experience that was going to be a bit of fun, and it yeah. just got me out of the office and away from the job that I didn't really like. <laughs> Something different, isn't it? Yeah. I've only been on TV once. But I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I was younger. I think, not that I wanted to be on TV, but I was sort of like, oh, that would be cool. I'd like to do that. Yeah. I've, I've been on Dinner Date. You had a Dinner Date? Oh, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. No, yeah, yeah. But you, yes, I remember you talking in one of your episodes about it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was just because business part of the time when I was in Cardiff. He got a message on Instagram being like, do you want to go on it? He had a girlfriend, so he's like, oh, Adam will go on it. Yeah. And it's like, a, it was a really cool experience, isn't it? It's yeah. like, you feel like you're a million dollars and you're like a celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then as soon as it's finished, never speak to you again. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Yeah, yeah. You're back but, to being normal again. Yeah, but yeah. like I said, it's a cool story, still, isn't it? Like you say, you were born yeah. quid and you went yeah. down and... Not, well, it's something I can bring up on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact. <laughs> everything else is a bit boring, you know. So yeah, I can take that to my grave, that one. Yeah. <laughs> The third one was you almost played at the Phoenix then. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, obviously, you're in a band. I was Tell in a band. What kind of band you were in? I was in a rock rock band from 13, 14 onwards till we were about 21, something like that. So basically, went through lots of... Me and my two mates, we ended up having lots of other people in the band, but essentially it, it finally worked itself out to be the best format when there were just the three of us. 
I was the bass player, lead singer, front man. Steve was on guitars, wrote most of the, or wrote like 99% of all of the material we, we did. Didn't do covers. And then Paul was on the drums and we all met at school and we were all in a dinner queue at, at school, you know, picking the, you know, those jam sandwiches that are in batter or whatever. They have weird things. And I said, let's do a band because Steve said, oh, he's going to have guitar lessons. And I went, I'll go on drums. And Paul said he was going to go on the bass. But I didn't have a big enough house with a single parent. Mum had got, dad got divorced. So I was living with mum in Shrewsbury. Dad was still in Wales. And so I ended up getting the bass because it was a bit smaller to pull around. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it just went from there and we got somewhere locally, just up the road, started practicing. And then when Steve could drive, we all went to a big shed somewhere and we just practiced every day near enough or every other day for a good couple of hours. And we got a, about an hour set. We got some demos done at some fantastic places, the windings in Mold, where they've had Oasis and loads of other massive bands record there. So that was an experience. That was my favourite part of doing it all. I didn't, wasn't particularly liking live, such so nerve-wracking being on stage. In the back of my head, I, I didn't really want to be famous either. Mm. I just want, I just liked being in a group. It was just a good crack, you know, yeah. and the music was good too. So we ended up sending demos all around the world. And then we thought, right, let's go try and break America. <laughs> so I sent stuff to Chrysalis Records. that got them interested. Loads of A&R guys. And then one guy got us, yeah, we were at Johnny Depp's Viper Room on this date. And we're at this other place, another rock venue. So we were a rock band, basically. And mm. I didn't, I had short hair. <laughs> so, you know, we weren't like grunge being metalers or anything like that. And we had it, we were all saving up to go. And then we got a, a message from American visas said, we're visas, we couldn't go. I don't know what it was. Something about taking jobs away from Americans. They, you know, they, I think didn't think they probably thought we were going to go there and like disappear, you know, but yeah, it all fell through. But so we were gutted, but that's when we thought, right. Okay. Plan B. And we moved to London then Mm. and we all got sort of jobs or doing bits and bobs, but mainly it was to gig in London at Islington, Camden, the Red Iron Islington, the castle and Camden and other places, but it wasn't to be. And we've ended up just basically working full-time jobs and the music sort of seemed to just sort of dissipate. And, but I, it was a good choice. It got me out of trouble. I wasn't, you know, a kid doing silly things. We were just focusing on the band and making music. So in that respect, I'm happy I made that choice and it got me to London, which I think gave me another few choices as well in my life, which it's got me here today. So. I don't regret any of those. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I'm starting to believe that. Yeah. Lots of things, karma and all that sort of oh, stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So then what were you like, you, you mentioned it briefly, then what were you like growing up at school? You said you didn't really, you never really were selling like Lucas in spot. No. Where did you kind of like fit in or what did you enjoy doing? Well, obviously grew up in Wales. So up until about 10, I was at Welsh schools. So I was having to do everything in Welsh and English. Mm. I can't speak Welsh apart from a few words. Oradar, Arap. Arab, yeah, that's the only way. I know this Arab, yeah. And, uh, or the, or the long one. I won't do it because it's, you know. Arab just... is on all the speed bumps in Wales, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> Arab, yeah. Yes. Headaloo, Headaloo is please. Headaloo. Yes. Headaloo. Oh, you pronounced it. Yeah. No, oh, very good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Please. I don't, why do you know that one? <laughs> because, uh, of, yeah. because of the cars. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So in Welsh schools up until I was 10. Did a lot of singing in choirs, basically. Yeah. So I like singing anyway. 
And then, like I said, mum and dad got divorced. We moved to Shrewsbury because other family were here. And then I started in a Shropshire schools, one in Colum, and then went on to the Priory Secondary School. Had, you know, mates, not really best mates. Mm. You know, there was like a collection of us until Priory, probably was 12, 13, then met Stephen and Paul and we had a little plan of, you know, little team like you do at school. Not really doing much, just messing about. You know, Steve was an amazing artist. Paul was a good laugh. I was just sort of the, the big mate that would follow them around, you know, just for the, just for a laugh. And we all had a quirky senses of who, you know, quirky sense of humor and just got on, just got on with everybody. Teachers, you know, thought I would do well. I probably should have done better than I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I, I should have, but in the end, I don't think it really mattered. I, I think schools now should teach more on entrepreneurship business skills from a younger age, mm. especially money management, because my money management was absolute crap. Yeah. Um, but now a lot better, a lot healthier, because I live within my means yeah. and I'm not all about the money. I just mm. It's just enough to have the life I want, mm. which is good. Because at school, I speak about it quite a bit, but mm. you learn... Like, I like maths at school. I was good at maths. That's probably the, the one subject I was good at. Okay. But say, like, Pythagoras' theorem and, and that kind of thing, or like, okay. say, in biology, when you're dissecting all the frogs. And I, stuff. We never did any of that at my school. Oh, we really? oh, missed out on that class. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you'd, nobody learns, like, how to, like, pay a bill or, like, about council tax yes. or, like, you say, about if you wanted to start a business or, yes. I don't know, about whatever, stuff, stuff like that. And yeah. they're, they're some of, like, getting a mortgage or something. Yes. And, or how to rent a house or, or anything. I know, that's, those are massive things. I think they might do a little bit now mm. in, in their local shopping centre. Every now and again, you see mm. a load of school kids and they've got like, they've got their own little stall and they're trying to sell things or a product or a... Yeah, so like Young Enterprise. Young, oh, we we did that, yeah. yeah. But that was optional. Was it? We never had anything like that when no. I was a kid. Or like credit, about credit cards and stuff and how important they can be. Yeah. I, only, I only learned in the last few years how important credit cards can actually be. Yeah. You use them properly. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Same here. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I didn't learn any of that. So I don't know if they do now, mm. but they're like life skills, aren't they? Absolutely. And, and when yeah. you go to school and most people go to uni these days, don't they? You just expected to know these things when yeah. you yeah. don't. And yeah, you might learn about sex education or like you say Pythagoras' theorem, but realistically, when you go into real life scenarios, you're not really given the tools to. You're not giving anything. Flourish, are you? Not really, no. It's like your story of when you got dropped off at uni and like, what do I do now? Yeah. You know, um, it's like, okay. My, my mum was good. I think she pushed me to be better. Mm. And I think I've become, I like my own company mm. and I, I can survive on my own company. I mean, my fiance, you know, is my rock and I don't think, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing now without her support and help so i'm better with her mm. absolutely better but i can i do i work well on my own and i thought i could do everything as well obviously you know as you grow older you know that you can't and then you it, and then i i got i found out that you can ask for help it's mm. not you know it's not a, a bad thing or it's not a weak it's not perceived as weakness yeah. if you ask for help and i realized that and so i would i'd ask for help on a lot of things, and I think that got me through a lot of stuff as well. Yeah. So when when you were growing up, then what did you want to be, or what did you want to do? Did you have oh any idea, God. or when you got to like sixteen, was it like I want to go to sixth form or uni, or 
I want to be a fireman or a pop star or whatever. I, I think the pop star one yeah. was probably going in that direction because from 14 we were still Band. practicing and learning our instruments. And then my qualifications were crap. Mm. So I went to SCAT, the Shropshire College of Arts Technology up the road, to try and do art because that was the only subject that I liked. Couldn't get on there. And they put me onto this drawing, this other technical drawing thing, and it was all about architecture and mm. measuring houses and doing landlines and all that sort of thing. And I just couldn't do that. So I did my maths and English evening school to, to bump my grades up. Oh, okay. So my mum was like, you've got to get a C in maths and English. And like, okay. So I did that anyway. But while I was doing that, I was actually working part-time at the local music hall, looking after as an usher in a cinema in the, in the square. And so on a Thursday, I'd bunk off from SCAT, go and work there because I thought, I'd rather be earning money than sitting here in this place. Uh, I think I just left the course in the end because I realised it wasn't going to give me anything. Much to my, probably my mum's dismay, I think she tried to push me towards the Navy because she didn't, because I didn't have any aspirations apart from being in the band at the Mm. time. If I had any money, she was like, don't spend it on the band. And, you know, and I think she thought I was going off in in, in a wrong direction, you know, because all your parents want you to be set on a path to yeah. a career or something like that. And I wasn't really showing signs of <laughs> I think it's hard for parents, isn't yeah. it, when they don't maybe understand as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't know if your mum was in a band or not, but mm. if she was in a band, she doesn't really get, you know what I mean? Say when I first started doing my thing, and still yeah. now, my mum yeah. and dad don't really get what I do. No. So it's hard for them I, to no, understand. No, my mum doesn't either. No. <laughs> she was an accountant's clerk. She does. She's the greatest accountant because she does all my accounts. <laughs> And so, you know, she can see how well I do and mm. she is proud. I know that. And, but yeah, I think as for career wise, I was just 100% in on the band mm. and everything we did apart from that was just a means of making money and surviving. Yeah. My mum wouldn't let me in the house unless I had a job. So I couldn't go and doss on the doll. So I did have a job. Yeah. That's important. I worked yeah. in retail a lot. You know, I'd worked in a Dunelm. The first Dunelms, I don't know if you know Dunelm. Yeah, Dunelm, yeah. Well, the first ever ones that got made, I was, I got headhunted from a local bowling. I've had lots of jobs. <laughs> okay. Lots of jobs. <laughs> I worked at a bowling centre. I got headhunted from there to work at Dunelm. Yeah. And they made me a deputy manager there when I was 21. And that was the first time I left home. Okay. Because I, I actually had enough money to actually pay rent somewhere. So mm-hmm. I lived in the, in the town. Then some horrible things happened and, you know, some people can be quite nasty. So I mm. eventually left that and I went to work for a gentleman's outfitters, cool. you know, where they, they give the white gloves for the snooker referees and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. He was a brilliant manager. Ern, Ern Hemmings, his name, Ernest Hemmings. Big his name. Big guy, like big bulldog of a man. Brilliant. Yeah. And so I went from that and then went to, yeah, that's when we went for London. I went to London from there onwards yeah. and then working in a wine shop of Victoria Wine. It was actually called Bottoms Up in Ealing High Street. Hmm. And I travel from Thames Road by the bridge that goes into Kew up there into Ealing every day on the bus. Yeah. And that was all right. So, so why, why was it London? I know you said about the band, didn't you? Mm. You moved kind of for the band, but what appeals you about London? Was it just because of the music scene? Then? I think it was, if we couldn't get to America, we'd have to break London. So we'd have to go on the gigging scene there. Yeah. The thing is at the time, the pubs wouldn't allow you to gig unless you brought people to the pub because all they were worried about is making money they 
the way it works, you thought that the pub would market. We've got live music and they do all the marketing and they get people in in droves to watch the band yeah. and make, but what it was is they used the bands to try and attract their friends and their following. Yeah. But we did have a massive following because we'd only just come yeah. to London. So luckily we were, cause normally if you'd very rarely do a gig on your own, there'd be two or three bands at a time. Yeah. So we play with other bands and I think people may have just followed us because they may have seen us play at one of these gigs. Yes. And I wouldn't say we had a following, but there was always a quite a good audience yeah. in London compared to Shrewsbury. I think in Shrewsbury, our worst gig was playing to one person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, back in the day when they used to do events, we had events where nobody shows up. <laughs> oh, just yeah. Like, oh, that's what we used to do, though. We used to put on, like, events and then get the local DJs and get them to sell tickets, and then that would build, like, the base crowd, and then more people would go and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good model for, like, quiet bars and stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So then how did things kind of progress? And obviously you said the band didn't really work out, did it? And then no. you had, you know, you all got your normal jobs and then yeah. what was like the progression after that? Well, I was working at Bottoms Up, like I said, and we were all sharing a, a house, hmm. me, Steve, Paul, and another guy, Lee Rhodes, who was, he, he was actually Jesus and Jesus Christ superstar hmm. when he went on tour. Unfortunately, he's not with us now. He's, he unfortunately committed suicide about seven or eight years ago now. Funny enough, I was listening to him on the YouTube not so long ago and it brought back a lot of memories. But we were there and we were all working, or most of us were. I was living on the mattress in the living room <laughs> and all the rest had rooms. So I had to say, right, I'm going to bed now, you can all bugger off. <laughs> and it got to a part where London prices are just were mad. And I think unless you're earning over 18, 20 grand in London, you can't... I mean, now you'd need at least 25 grand, I think, to live comfortably in London, yes. you know, without having to worry about the bills at the door. I was on probably 18, something like that. So I needed more money. So that's when I had an interview with Loot, got the cold calling job. Yeah. Was terrible. Didn't like it, but it got me more money. Yes. Luckily, we got bought out by associated newspapers who have the evening standard and all that sort of stuff. And I managed to move internally to admin and then Justine, who was a marketing manager, asked me if I wanted to be a marketing assistant. And I'd start on 18. Mm. And I thought, hell yeah. I knew nothing about marketing. So she took me under a wing and basically taught me everything I wanted to know about marketing at that time. Because obviously the internet wasn't massive then. Yeah. It was just getting going. I remember Paul, my mate, who was with Lou already, he said... Oh, they're doing the Luke Music Awards. We need a website. Can you do one? And I went, I don't know. I'll just say yes and I'll try. So yeah. I bought like the first version of, well, a cracked version of Photoshop, like five or something like that. Yes. And Microsoft print page and managed to somehow cobble together a, a website. Mm. And that was my first sort of dabblings in working with video and websites. No. A computer. I've always liked computers, yeah. but I've never, I didn't have one until I was in my twenties. My mates had them all, but we never had one, but I had actual affinity to them. I, I wasn't scared of them. And yeah. so that sort of got me on the tech side of things with the computer. And then, so working at Loot, then they had a reshuffle. So we had to apply for our own jobs. And there was me and another guy called Phil up for one job. And mm. I thought, do I really like living in London anymore? I'm, I'm getting into debt because I'm trying to keep up with everybody else to go, go down a pub. And I, no, I can't go down a pub. Oh, I'll give you some money. No, no, I can't because then I owe 
OU. So yeah. I ended up not liking the social scene either because I just couldn't afford it. So I thought, do I really need this job? What about if I moved home? Luckily, there a girl said, why don't you go to uni? And I thought, well, I didn't think about that. And I saw, I thought, hmm. So I looked into that, looked at a design degree, a BA in design yeah. at Wolverhampton University, called them up, and I actually gave in my notice on my job before they actually said I could get on the course. <laughs> I was so excited. I didn't think. So I gave in my notice and thought, right, I'm going. I'm going back to Shrewsbury, where all my family were. Luckily, I could stay with my brother who had a house. And the guy from Wolverhampton said, yeah, you're on the course. And I was fantastic. <laughs> so I had grants then and yeah, loans, stuff, and loans and all this sort of stuff, which was all paying off. Mm. But yeah, out me all. <laughs> yeah. Well, that got me doing a BA. So that's where I got a BA first in design. And I thought, right, I'll be a designer now. So I thought I've got a bit more structure now to what I'm doing. Yeah. But at 30 years old, being a, a junior designer doesn't work. I didn't think about going it alone or being a, a freelancer. And I was just looking for jobs. And all of the senior designers were in their 30s and all the junior designers were in like 18, 19. Yeah. And I just couldn't get my foot in the door. And I don't know I don't know if it's because I knew my work was good enough, but I think they probably thought they may not be able to push me around as I was probably the same age. Yeah, like moulding what they want you to be. Yes. So I, I'm not sure. I, I might be just grasping at straws at that, but and they may have thought that... I, they may have thought I might be just going there for some experience and then I'll move on to mm. somewhere else or, or something like that. I never actually got an answer to why I never got a job. Oh, really? So, yeah. yeah. I feel like people, more, more so these days, don't they? They try and ask for feedback, don't they? Like how to mean to you go oh. or, or that kind of thing. Yeah, I suppose it's just, it's important to get feedback, isn't it? And, and whatever you do. I think so. I mean, nowadays, thousands of people going for a job. They just won't reply. They can't afford to, re- they can't reply to you. They haven't got the time. Yeah. So, you know, it's up to you to follow it up. If you haven't heard anything in two weeks, then you, you usually go, oh, you know, the best thing is to just go for any interview and mm. forget about it. And then if they come back to you, then that's positive, that's yeah. positive isn't it? And then just, just don't take it personally that they haven't got back to you because mm. they might be inundated with thousands of people, especially mm. nowadays. So it's harder for people, isn't it? When it's like the first few interviews, isn't it? They will yeah. take it more personally. But if you've done like hundreds, Used to the rejection, aren't you? You're just get numb to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think if, if you had a rejection from a hundred, I think you would start, have to start looking at yourself and think, yeah. I must make a few changes, but no, where do, where do we go from there? I can't remember. So now. you're applying for the junior designer jobs, yeah, right? And yeah. you're thinking, or oh, you never really thought about having your business or that kind of thing. No, no, never had any of that business acumen. What's this job then? I, I, I think I started working in pubs hmm. because. So you gave up on the design? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I was, I did a few things like business cards and leaflets and stuff for friends and family mm-hmm. and things that came up. And I think in my mind consciously, I thought something will come up, something will come up. But I started getting into working at the local pub, the armory mm-hmm. in, in town by the, by the river seven. And I was full time there or nearly full time. I said, I can't do these dates because I'm at uni. Oh, that was at uni already. So mm-hmm. I carried on and went full time, obviously, yeah. when I couldn't get the design after uni and then. Somebody there said, oh, they take on these bank people at the uh, hospital. So I w- applied for a bank job and I managed to get in with the Keele University undergraduates mm. who have a base at Shrewsbury Hospital. And so I was an administrator there. So I fit in there with a small team and was there for eight years. 
Yeah. My fiance met my fiance there. So that was a bonus. And gradually just, you know, after working there for a while, just started to get a bit tired of it all. And I thought, I can't do this anymore. The people I was working with were being a bit toxic, being the only guy in the office. Yeah. Difficult. Yeah. And so I started looking at things and that's when I started looking on YouTube and I found the voiceover stuff. Uh, so that's right. when we get back to the voiceover and then I, I left there. And then after three years of voiceover, COVID hit. Mm. I was just about to, I, I was, I was doing photography as well. I, I have lots mm. of hobbies and things, you know, like painting and, and chess and photography. And she took photography to a higher level to like a, I've got a licentiate, licentiate ship with the Royal Photography Society, oh, cool. which is like the, the lowest one. You have like three tiers, yes. but I thought, yeah, I want to do this professionally maybe. So that was one place I went off with and I thought my design and photography could uh, work well yeah. together. So I started doing that. They, and then they said COVID hit. COVID seems to be a pivotal part in a lot of people's yes. journeys. Well, that's what it? it was. I designed this space mm. as a photography studio. Yeah. And there was somebody online called Sue Bryce, fantastic New Zealand photographer. And I watched all of her videos and I bought some of her courses because I've never done portrait photography. I've always been a landscaper. Landscaping wasn't selling well. Yeah. So I thought portraits, you know, loads of people want portraits of their kids and of their pets and stuff like yeah. that. So I thought, I know, I'll do that. So I went down that route. I sold a camera, that a really old camera that I had and, you know, cherished called a Hasselblad. And managed to get a lot of money. It's a very, very expensive camera, but it managed to basically fit out my new studio from mm-hmm. selling that. So I, I don't regret selling it because it mm-hmm. you know, got me this fantastic place that I can yeah, work in cool. now. It's a nice creative space that I've made for myself. So yeah, so photography, Photoshop, and with the voiceover started working with audio as well. When COVID hit, I thought, I, and nobody was allowed in your house. You can't mm-hmm. do, you know, I couldn't use my house as a, the studio anymore. Mm-hmm. So that went dead completely, just went like that. Yeah. I thought, what can I do now? And then the heavens aligned and one of the people I went to to get my voiceover website done, she came to me saying, do you know anybody that can edit podcasts? And mm-hmm. I went, I could do that. Yeah. So, and that's where the podcast journey of my podcastassistant.com started. Yeah. And it's just, it's gone. It's just flown yeah. So it's doing brilliantly. Because it's like you say, you just, it's just been for you one thing to the other, isn't it? You've never yeah. really had that goal in mind, but right. you just flitted between and just kind of jumped up and yeah. it just kind of happened. So it's an, what, what was it like then doing the, 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 editing the first podcast? Was it a bit like nerve wracking? Were you excited or a bit apprehensive? I, I was excited because I was working with audio and not having to do the voice. Yeah. Use somebody <laughs> else's voice. Because I, I suppose even for me, like listening back to my podcasts or my videos that I do, I think like, it's, I don't know, it's hard, to, well for me, and it's hard to listen back to, especially for you, if people are like physically paying you for your actual voice. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a voice actor, you, you, you do just have to get over your own voice yeah. straight away. Overcritical, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. First, I suppose when you first start. That's the thing, I, I struggle as well with the videos. Yeah. Not like videos, I think like it has to be perfect, but. It doesn't have to be perfect, does it? Because no. other people would perceive that information or that delivery in an amazing way, won't they? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, I think you just have to concentrate on the content. Mm. I mean, as a voice actor, you 
a lot of people think that if you're a voice actor, you put on accents and you put on you and do impersonations. Some do that. I don't. A lot of mm-hmm. voice acting is basically your own voice because everybody's different. So nowadays they like somebody, if they're advertising in a certain area, they want somebody with that local accent to do the advert for you. Yes. And in some respect, it's like a double-edged sword because you may not get the professional finished piece, you know? It's like mm. on some TV channels now, you can tell that the voice acting is quite bad on some of the adverts, but they've got somebody who's just normal because that the industry thought that they didn't want the professionally spoken, you know, yeah, overly produced sort of stuff. And they just want normal people selling their products. And that's where it's gone now. The Me Too movement obviously brought in more women into the fold. And then obviously Black Lives Matter, more diversity started, and inclusivity started to come into it as well. So the actual market got busier. Yeah. And so the job started to decrease. And it was good that I thought, oh, I, I can have the voice acting and the podcast editing and, and run them both at the same time. Yeah. But because voice acting is so sporadic and the podcasting was every month there's an episode, mm. it was more robust. So it felt more a, a better business decision to sort of put more emphasis on the podcast editing rather than the voice acting yeah. and change the voice acting to the side job and focus on the podcasting. And that's, that's, mm. that's the way it's gone. Yeah. So then how or, or when was it then you decided? that you wanted to market the podcast stuff? Because I think I came across you, I put a post in a Facebook group, I think, yes. saying something like, does anyone know how to start a podcast or something mm. like that? I can't remember the yeah. exact post. And then somebody tagged your Instagram, I think it was. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, though. My VA. Was it? Yeah. All ah, right, okay, yeah. yeah. Good to see that she's doing the work. Yes. Well, I, I got to a point where I can't do everything, mm. and I'm not a massive fan of social media, mm. being an introvert. I quite mm. like, don't like being in front of the camera, really. Yeah. And don't like just the whole thing, you know. Please. So I thought I need somebody to help me. And I found Cassie, a local VA, and she basically scoured Facebook and anything like that. She put my name up and that's where we had our first conversation on Zoom, I think. Yeah. And it went from there. Mm. And obviously she looks after all my social media. So she'll come up with posts. I'll, I'll do the copy and she'll make it sound good. Yeah. She doesn't write all the copy. So I, you know, I'll, she'll just give me a heading and I have to write about a certain subject and mm. then she'll sort out the picture and then she'll do the scheduling. And uh, yeah, she's been a great help as well. Cassie Evans. Yeah. And she's also start, she's got, she's grown as well. We've both grown together and yeah, she's cool. got her own VA business where she's helping other VAs as well. Oh, nice. So we've grown together and it's, yeah, it's been quite a good collaboration. Yeah. I couldn't. Could have got to where I am business side as well without her help yeah. in that way. Cause oh, what, when was it? Why did you think it was important to get that help then? Cause I know when I first started out and I had the business partners, two of us, but we wanted to do everything ourselves and we yes. thought that we knew what was going to be best and we get the best results. But then when I went on my own, mm-hmm. I quickly realized, I don't know when it was or what it was doing. It was more you either employ or hire people who are better than you at what you do yeah. to pay for their skill set or you pay people to do the menial tasks that you can do yourself yes. that you're just saving time aren't you yeah so what was kind of like the moment you thought oh I should get somebody else in to help I guess I was one of those people that thought I could do it all and I think yeah. every every job I've had up until now 
has sort of given me the whole skill set to do what I'm doing now, you know, marketing mm. and audio editing and all, all of that stuff. And I, while I was working at the hospital, I got into listening to audiobooks. Mm. And I'd hide away in a corner listening to audiobooks while I was doing work, you know. And I ended up just getting lots of business audiobooks and mm. how to do business. And nearly all of them with the consensus was like getting out of your own way. And it took me a while because giving ownership of some part of your business to someone else, because you're not in control of it, yes. is quite scary. Oh, definitely. And, but it all just made sense. And there was one audiobook, I can't remember which one it was, and it just says, write down all the things you're good at on the left and all the things you don't like on the right, and then get somebody to do all the things you don't like, basically, yeah. was what it was. And it was social media and some of the bits and bobs. And then... Teresa, a client of mine, my first client who got me into podcasting, she had a couple of VAs from the Philippines. Yes. And I thought, oh, I could try and do that. But it was the process of getting one from the Philippines was a bit long-winded. And then I saw somebody on Instagram, a local VA in, in, the, in the Shropshire area, and I thought, well, why not use local talent to help me yeah. rather than somebody in another country? Mm. I thought, keep, you know, look after yourself and, and people around you. So I thought that would be a good choice. So that's where I chose Cassie. And I think she does like 10 hours for me a month. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's sort of our relationship has been defined over the last couple of years where we we can read each other's minds now. Well, she, she can read mine a bit more than I can read hers, but essentially, yeah, a a lot. It's it's just great to have somebody you can bounce ideas off as well work wise. You know, and because she works with other people and in the, the way she works, she gets lots more business ideas than I can on my own. Yeah. So I just made the leap and I thought, mm. right, we'll do this for a bit, see how it goes. And then I think she's been, we've been like two years now, I think, together. Uh, I think that's cool, isn't it? Like for me in my business, I think the thing I struggle giving away at the moment mm. is the social media aspect. So like, yeah. I think, well, I can't really afford to pay someone full time, no. but I think I'm better than anybody else at doing the social, like the social media ideas or like the yeah. text, even though, have you heard of chat GPT? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's what I use now. So that's oh, better than me. Yes. Say, Johnny, who does the videos and we've got Z channel who does the edits. And yeah. We've got Maha and Musa who do the lead source and booking and meetings. And wow. The, the social media thing. Yeah. It's a thing that I like. And well, yeah, yeah. And like, I like doing it. And the thing that, like you say, you hold yourself back, don't you? I was saying to mm-hmm. Zishan the other day, I was saying, I'm holding the process back because I like to make sure the edit is perfect before he edits it finally and yes. puts on the captions and all that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm saying that I'm just holding up the process. Like it's so much time and mm. you do sometimes just need to, well, I feel like I need to let go more and just think, just yeah. do the people that you're paying to do the job. Exactly. They're, they're zone of genius. Yes. yes. And it, it is hard, isn't it? But it is, it's very hard, very hard. And I, but I think when you get to that point where you realize you are your own worst enemy, you're getting in your own way mm-hmm. and you, and you, you, you give something to someone else to do, other things start to pop up. They think, Oh yeah, I, I'll get them to do that too. You know, mm-hmm. so I get them to do everything and end up doing Jack, <laughs> yeah. but you just have to realize that there are people out there that love doing the stuff you hate doing yeah, exactly. yeah. and they're really good at it. So why not 
And I think this was another, also another relationship with money mm. I had. I thought, can I afford to do this? And I thought, well, there's lots of money mindset you have to get over. Mm. And I thought, well, we'll do it for a bit and see. But I, I realize now that to giving, paying for a VA pays back in tenfold. And you have to just realize there's this constant flow of, of money. Give, you have to spend money to make earn, money. to make money, yeah. I believe. And it's Definitely. some sort of fluid thing. You can't sort of hold on to it or save it. Yeah, you can save it, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. but you can't like just hold on to it and, and penny pinch everything. You've got to allow it to move. And I, once I started doing that, I found my whole perspective on the business as well changed because I was being more open. And I think that's where I started to get more clients as well when mm. I realized I wasn't like desperate. If, as, if, if you're desperate for, for money, then you kind of put up a barrier in front of you. And I think if you're not desperate for it in that sense of, oh, I just need the money, mm. if you think, right, well, if I pay a VA, they'll do this for me, which will generate more work for me, which will give me more money this way. Plus I'm creating a job for someone else. And it just sort of opened up my perspective on business. And I think that's where, what's the word I'm trying to look for? A lot of people use it. They have like a med, like a board where they put pictures of things they'd like to have and stuff yeah. or ask the universe for something, you know, manifestation, Man- manifest- manifestation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I, I'm in, you know, I'm a quite a spiritual person and I believe in stuff like that does work. And, and so far it's sort of, things have opened up and the more open I am, the more I allow good things to happen to me as well. So for example, I was going along with maybe four or five clients doing reasonably well, you know, and then a person said, Oh, can I have a zoom? Had a zoom. I want to use my editor because mine's going on maternity leave. Then her friend who was using the same editor used, went for me as well. And so and then suddenly I had four or five clients just from one client from an Instagram post, because I said, well, why did you pick me? And she goes, I just went on your feed and I, I got a good vibe. Yeah. And that's where I attracted her and her friends mm-hmm. and sort of the clients have gone exponentially from there because they're all sort of coaches. Yeah. And so they have a network of other people that want to launch podcasts as well. So yeah. being open has allowed that to happen. Yeah. I think like you say, it is important to spend money, I think, in business or your personal life. Yeah. Live within your means as well. But yes. Say for me, I, I like going and experiencing new places and going on holiday. Like, yeah. Say, just went to Dubai for my birthday. Fantastic. And, yeah. I like going to somewhere like that where it's motivating. And I think, like, oh, I'd like to live here, but right. can I afford to live here? Yeah. Oh, what would I have to do? To, to be able to idea. afford it and then yeah. work our way back and think, oh yeah, all right, I could sign four more clients and I'd be able to get in this place and then live this life. Yeah. You have to fly back and forth and that kind of thing. And that's busy. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> but I, my mind thinks like that. And yeah. yeah, like you say, when you burst that out, you think, oh, I don't want to spend any money because then I'd be spending that money and I wouldn't keep that myself. Yes. So then you, it, it depends what you want, isn't it? Do you want, are you thinking short term to earn however much, be super, super busy and have no free time or, yeah. Do you want to spend a bit of money now to then grow a business or grow a team and, 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 yeah, and, yeah. and that, that kind of thing just, just depends what your goals are, doesn't it? But your, your team's quite big now, isn't it? You've... Yeah, I've got a solid team. Like, yeah. Yoni does all the videos in Cardiff. I'm going to see today. Yeah. 
And then I've got Musa and Maha Outreach. And then I've got Zeeshan and just edits as well. Wow. So that's what I mean. I'm, I'm, podcast not about me, but yeah. I'm, I'm trying to grow a team to grow a business and. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. To be able to, to do that. And, and yeah, that's, that's my goal and ambition. You know yeah. What I mean, yeah. to have, I've, I've seen, I've seen that and I've seen how mm-hmm. you've grown over the, the, the episodes. Yeah. And you've given me some inspiration as well. I mean, I've got to a point now where I'm at capacity and I can't, mm. I need another editor. And that's mm. another, I've got, I've got to another place where Don't giving up, giving up my sort of, because I hold, my values, I, I, I hold integrity mm. very highly in my values. So if I do a good job and make the client happy, mm-hmm. then they will refer me or they'll just keep coming back to me. Mm. And and that, if I keep that integrity rock solid, then that's a good way to just keep clients and keep yeah. connecting other clients as well. So to give up the editing section to someone else is going to be a big jump for me. Yeah. And it's going to, that's quite scary for me. I, yeah. you know, I'm going to have to obviously monitor what they do as well. But if I can get the right person. Yes. So, you know, I'm looking for an audio <laughs> editor, not just yet, but I'm looking for one who, you know, can work at the right price. Somebody who's maybe fresh. New. Yeah, new, starting out. Starting out. And obviously... That's um, what you want, isn't it? Exactly, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a small business. take under my wing. Yeah. I know who could give advice to, you know. I mean, youngsters nowadays will probably know a hell of a lot more about audio than I do. Mm. Because I do use tools in a way... I use a lot of AI tools in mm. my processing and stuff because the workflow is so much quicker. I wouldn't yeah. be able to do three or four podcasts a day without the workflow I have. Uh. You know, an, an audio fanatic would probably think, you know, sacrilege that I'm using these tools because, you know, that's not how you do it. But go with the times, though, isn't it? Yes, and going with the times. Like you said, chat GPT. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on AI yes. only because there's AI for voiceover already. Oh, okay. There's uh, the TikTok, my, the TikTok auto-generated voices. They're yes, crazy, aren't they? They're crazy yes. good. Well, there's even my friend just sent me. My sent my friend just sent me. Right, we're going to have to sue these people. And he sent me. It, it was sounded like a radio broadcast mm. interview yeah. with some famous people, but they were talking about the band I used to be in. Oh, no. And I thought, what's this? Why is this? And he made it all in AI. Oh, it's so realistic, though. Yeah. And I thought, what if they can do that? And I know there are a lot of places that do AI for voice acting. Yes. And I think in the days of voice acting, like 20, 25 years ago in America, mm. you know, in a world, they'd be earning six figures for doing like a, a movie trailer, you know, mm. something like that. And you think nowadays people are going, oh, can you do it for 50 quid? Yeah. Oh, they'll go onto this website and they'll get a, a, an AI voice to do it for them, mm. which is great, but it just means... It doesn't, yeah. the, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's no job you have, anymore. Is no, it? you have to find, so that's why I'm keeping a, a, a pulse, a finger on the pulse of AI, mm. because I know at some point, see with me, podcasting, my clients, it's more about the time it takes them to edit rather than the learning the equipment to edit with. Mm. That's their main fear is I haven't got time to do this. I could yeah. be earning money doing what I love doing or what I'm yeah. better at. So that's, I'm not worried about. Things like Adobe Podcasts coming up with a thing that can make you sound great. Yeah, because I I I use clients, yeah, with their videos. I I use some of that some of the time. If I'm trouble, I can 
mm. might tweak it first to go and go into that, and then they might go into something else as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm keeping my finger on a pulse just in case something comes along so that covers the whole aspects of editing yes. that I would be defunct. But I need yeah. to sort of just keep an eye on it. I, I don't think it will be. I don't no, think, I, was I, say, I know, still think it needs 10 that years human. maybe. Yeah. 10 years down the line, there might be something. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's the time thing, isn't it? I it suppose is. is the main thing that yeah. I'm saying from my perspective and about your other clients, but even just uploading the files to the Google Drive taking ages. It and, does. Yeah. And yeah. then say if I had to upload all the files and then I had to edit and then match the clips and then get cut out ums and ahs and the, yeah. the gaps and stuff. And it's yeah. like, I can't bother doing that. You know, See, the thing I use takes out all the ums and ahs. Yeah. You still have to listen to the whole podcast though to check because yeah. it doesn't do it 100% all the time. Mm-hmm. Then I've got something that just takes out all the gaps. Yeah. I just do click, click, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go through anything. Make the audience sound great and, and Bob's your uncle. Yeah. But I suppose, like you say, it's you doing all them things and then mm. checking that it's it's all right, isn't it? Yeah, and then yeah. That's my integrity bit. I have to listen to it mm. to make sure yeah. there isn't a cough or a sneeze or a dog barking or a helicopter mm. or, you know, there's some stuff that you cannot take out of a podcast, mm. you know. Why, why, why do you think podcasts have got so big then recently? I think, well, recently, I think it is all because of COVID, because people mm. were trapped in their homes for so long. They wanted mm. some other way to pass the time. Mm. So, you know, TV's a bit nap nowadays yeah. you know you got net you got your streaming services so why not listen to an audiobook why not listen to a podcast they're still not where they are yet i mean youtube videos are you know billions so podcasts have still got a long way to go they say that the the famous podcasts aren't doing as well like the ones you'll get joe rogan or you'll get the bbc doing their podcasts and things but i think that's famous people because they're putting money into that Whereas Joe blogs with his own business, he's maybe bootstrapping it, mm. you know, using the, the minimal equipment he can use, editing it himself or herself and getting it out there. And people are listening to those niche podcasts that mm. will, you know, that they like. So could be on topics. I mean, like top podcasts, like on crime and stuff like that. And, but then you've got business ones, you know, people that talk about knitting. Yeah. Motorhome, caravanning, marketing. Mm-hmm. So if you have an interest, there's a podcast out there for your audience to listen to. So it's, it is the most intimate form, I think, of marketing. And well, I, I, I sort of put it in social media because it's a sort of a social thing. Yeah. But you're in somebody's ear or you're in the car listening to work or, or while you're walking the dog or something like that. You're in those little moments of time when they're on their own, hmm. in their own space, and but you're in you're in that space with them, and I think because of that, that's the attraction of podcasts, and I think they will grow exponentially from here onwards as well. I think as technology gets better, like you said about uploads and downloads. Hmm. I mean, I've got I didn't realise that you could ask for the highest download speeds, but the upload speeds were always at really low. Yeah, the uploads are nightmare. So that's why I've paid for the one with the biggest uploads. Oh, so so yeah. I doubled that amount. But still, your videos, your three gig of video will still take me 10 minutes to download. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, takes a whole night to upload yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I'll, I'll probably download all yours in an hour or yeah. half an hour. Yeah. But yeah, as technology gets better, 
there's more ways people will listen to it. Like, uh, you know, you might have an Alexa. It's not, it's not listening to me. So you might have one of those and you know, you'll listen to it that way. Mm. Listen to it in the kitchen. I just think they're just, they're just going to grow and grow because people like. Sorry. I'm not sure. (laughs) Alexa, stop. So yeah, I think they're going to keep growing. And I think, I don't think there's anything new going to come out on the scene. As of yet. Anytime soon. No. And I think because you can be so niche with a podcast and directly to your, your sort of avatar, your customer, your client, then I think that's going to be the main way to go going forwards for any, mm-hmm. any business. I think any, every business needs to have a podcast. Yeah. I'm recommending it to my clients. I should have one. Yeah. I know. I was going to say but that. I'm so busy editing other people. That's always the case, isn't but it? You always seem busy doing your own stuff. I have got a goal on the side. If I get to a certain point when I do take on another editor, then I'll probably get into it. But I'm not wondering what to talk about because podcasts, helping people edit their podcasts is quite a visual thing. Hmm. Whereas describing how to do it is, I can think of ways around it, maybe. You talk about improving the podcast, so I'll come podcast problems out over Well, the- that's what I'm thinking of. And it'll be more of a maybe how to attract more clients or more listeners, mm. how to monetize, yeah. which I don't do that stuff at the moment. Mm. So that's going to be another learning curve for me to get yeah. into. And you could use your new editor, test him out or her out on your own one. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. I think that's a way be, of testing it. Yeah, good idea. That's, that's the way I did my editor. One, thanks. I, I got him to do my videos first and for the clients. But I was going to say, oh, cool. what, what makes a good podcast then? Oh, blimey. Makes a good podcast. If you had to maybe nail down two or three things. They're important. I think consistency is in the top three, I'd say. I think that's my best attribute in my life, just being consistent. Yeah, because it doesn't matter how good or bad you are, if you're always there, Mm -hmm. you'll be like Marmite. People will love you or they'll hate you. So you go up, but you have to be there. Yeah. And you have to pick a day and a time and be on that, be on time. Mm. And then people will get into a rhythm of when they listen to you or watch you in their daily routines. So I think that's very important. I, I agree. I yeah. think consistency of everything, isn't it? Like you say, yeah, because you don't have to be perfect. No. It's like video, for example, video is half video, half audio. Yes. If the video is bad, but the audio is good, yes. they'll still listen to it. Yeah. I think audio is more important though, isn't it? Because if the audio is bad. Yeah. They won't. They won't. Yeah. If you think, like even with me, if I'm watching the football, yeah, I may be listening to it, but I'll be on my phone. But you know the audio yes. is good, isn't it? Yes, and yes. then you can you hear all oh, the goal oh, scores right. so going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the amount of people that will start something and like launch an Instagram page or mm. announce something on Facebook, like starting a new venture or whatever, and yeah. then two, three weeks down the line, they've given up. It's just I pe- know people just want that external validation, don't they? If, oh yeah, they're doing really well or they're really cool. Ever, but That's the thing, yeah. You don't want to put in the work and the grind or the, the graft over time to get to the end result. They just want the end result without the... Straight away. Yeah. Well, but that's, that's, I think that uh, comparisonitis is a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. When you, if you're just starting something and you're looking at other people have been doing it for years, mm-hmm. you cannot, you cannot put that pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. You just have to ignore everything or everybody. Yeah. So if you see somebody that's doing a good job on Instagram, really you must not watch or look at anything they do mm. or at least not put so much impetus on that you have to do as good a job. Yeah. You just have to say to yourself, okay, 
I'm on my 30th post. They've done 300 posts. Yeah. They've been doing it for five years. I've been doing it for a couple of months. Yeah. Okay. I just need to ignore that. Just keep on doing what I'm doing. And eventually you will find that you'll get a, a return on that investment of time and effort. Because mm, have you heard, have you listened to Modern Wisdom by Chris Williamson before? No, I haven't, no. No, so he does a podcast that's massive now. Right. More like interviewing lecturers at like Harvard and really intellectual okay. um, I think people. Rings a bell, yeah. You might, yeah. You've, you've probably seen it, but yeah. if you haven't listened to it. And I remember thinking, like in COVID or whatever, I was thinking, yeah, this podcast is going well. That's really impressive. So what I did is I went to his oldest videos and okay. had a look at his first ones. That's a good way of doing it, And his yeah. first one was like one of them Yeti mics and he only had one mic and he had yeah. two guests either side and just sat in like a like a random cupboard thing. And I'm thinking Fantastic. like, so that's where he started from. That's where he it's, is. And yes. then you see like about episode 100 or something. Like some of his episodes didn't have video and some of his episodes did. And, yeah. and you think like, oh, yeah, we well, just need to stay consistent and get there and just improve little bits as you bit. can and just develop yeah. it over time and, and yeah so yeah, what would you say is the second point then consistency is the most important thing consistency one um, of the most important things audio quality mm. I'm going to say that as a <laughs> podcast editor but that's why I try and instill in all my clients a good standard practice of what to do I, it's like you know I've been going on at you for years <laughs> to stop holding your microphone because yeah, <laughs> you'll start getting Little taps on it and stuff like mm, that. No, no, no. But, <laughs> you know, I can usually get around that. You're okay. Yeah. But it's like being in front of your microphone, but not directly on it. Yeah. And stuff like that. So I go to my clients, as well as editing their podcasts for them, I also give them all the tips and tricks of setting up their audio chain. So mm. if they're using a USB mic, that's fine. Then I can tell them some microphone technique so that they're not getting plosives, which is the, the air from your mouth that up on the mic and sometimes not having the mic under your nose as well because if you're breathing you're going to pick up the breathing as well so having it just to the side of the mouth works brilliantly so you can talk across it like i'm doing now i'm still pointing at my mouth but i'm speaking that way so giving them those tips and tricks things like not soundproofing but acoustic dampening so Mm. i've got a few little panels on the back there they don't really do much in this room to be honest Mm. when i'm standing here at my desk I got a standing desk because I thought I might lose a bit of weight <laughs> doing that. But do, got, do you stand then much? Most of the time, yeah. All oh, right. Okay. I might sit on the stool you're on. Yeah, because I've I've thought about getting a standing desk. But I was like, I'm never going to stand, but I probably would. Well, it, it just allows me a bit more space. Mm. So if I'm listening to a podcast, I could be doing my weights. Uh, or I could be yeah. doing like, you know, I've got like a vibrator board there or something like that. I could be doing some keep fit while I'm doing, listening to the podcast and then do the edit and then get back on to doing something, you know, that was the plan, <laughs> but it's more or less, I do more like stretching and like calisthenics type stuff now. I used to do Tai Chi, but I've forgotten all of the moves now. <laughs> so I just try and do a bit of exercise while standing mm. up, but sitting, standing in the middle, I've got the speakers directly in each ear and it's fantastic sound there. Mm. So that's how I've got that set up, but just teaching People in their homes, like the best room, the, the room where you're recording is the most important. Mm. So it's not about getting the best equipment. If you have the best microphone in the worst room, you're going to pick up all of the bad audio in that, in that room. Yeah. So I, I tell everybody, get a room that's quiet away from traffic, windows, main roads, 
cupboard is good. Luckily, I've got a walk-in closet here that I can yeah. use for my VO. And then basically using soft furnishings like cushions, curtains, these things absorb the sound. Because when you speak, the sound hits the walls. If you can imagine, like, your voice as a tennis ball, it'll hit all the different rebounding off all the walls before it comes back to the microphone. And that's called reverberations or echo or something you could call it like that. So if you get things in the room that will absorb those sounds, like cushions and pillows and mattresses, then you'll get that really sort of dead sound that you normally get on broadcasting. There's microphone technique. If I get closer to the microphone like that, I'll be like a lot deeper and you won't hear any echo. But normally you have a a bit of air around you Mm. just to make it sound natural. But things like that, I just talk to my clients to get them recording properly and then the editing side of things is then that much easier for me at the end yeah if you're if you're recording in a kitchen with wooden floors and you're reverberating everywhere that's the worst (laughs) thing to edit and like you said one of the episodes you said you didn't even know that the microphone wasn't working or something but i managed to pull the audio out and Mm. get it to sound normal yeah that's what i can do but if you can record like the old saying you can't make a purse out of a sow's ear or all the other languages you can't polish a turd. Yes. But if you get the recording right first off, then the editing is that much easier to do later on down the yeah. line. So I, I try and support all my clients from that respect. Oh, definitely. From the, like I have done with you, you know, on, on yeah. you know, you've got the equipment, you've got the mic I set I suggested. Yeah, I've got everything um, that you suggested, yeah. You know, I'm really impressed with the setup you've got. It's fantastic. Mm. And then third, what would you say the third thing is? So we said consistency, then the sound quality. Sound quality. The last thing. Would you say, would it be about the topic or, or not? I, no, I don't think topic because I think topic would speak for itself. Mm. I think it might have to be. Put it on the spot here. Mindset, maybe. What do you mean by that? I think you have to show up on your best game. Mm. You can't be, oh, I've got to record a podcast today, you know, blah, blah. You've got to have You've got to be in the zone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's your subject. You know it back to front. You can talk for hours about it. So if you've got that enthusiasm, and then I think that will work. But if you think you're going to start a podcast, you think, oh, I'm just going to start a podcast. I'm going to talk about cars because I like cars a bit, but you don't know anything about it. And then you get to a point where you've done like episode 20. You're like, oh, what am I going to talk about now? And it's like, well, I don't want to record a podcast anymore. I'm getting a bit bored with it, you know. And that's when people start either stopping or they flip onto a different subject, different topic, mm. and then they've lost that audience that maybe they may have got from the first topic. So you've got to be on on the ball. And if it's your yeah. zone of genius, if it's what you know back to front, like the back of your hand, the topic you're talking about and you love it and you could just talk about it forever, that is when you've got a good podcast. Because if, if, if you haven't got that enthusiasm, that drive to just go with it, then it's going to be a bit dry. And the podcast won't, you'll hear it in the podcast. It'll sound like it's a podcast. Starting a podcast is not a way to make money. No, definitely not. It's a way to get in front of more people. Yeah. It's a good audience, isn't it? It's a community, I think. Yeah. And from that audience, you will then possibly get clients from. Yeah. But you have to give before you can take. And I think, if you're just going into it thinking that it's the in thing to do and that you mm. might get more money from it, it's not going to work. No. You need to have the passion, enthusiasm to do it. So mm. I think that's all probably in mindset. 
Yeah. So I, I was going to say. I think. Yeah. That I go into some podcasts thinking, oh, bloody hell, I can't bother to record a podcast. But yeah. then I think, I know I would enjoy it in, in the end. When, when I'm, when I'm in, when I'm in it, it's yeah. just the preparation and the traveling there and, and actually just like setting up and me stressing about like the audio recording yes. is the visual, the lights, what questions I'm asking. Cause yeah. believe it or not, I don't actually prep any questions I'm going to ask. I just kind of like go with the flow of all my guests. Cause I just, I don't know. I just like to, to do that. Well, I, I think I you should. do it very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should prep more with my guests, but, and then when you're in it, you think, Oh yeah, it's great. And like you say, for me, I think it's when I first started, I was from the same mindset. Of, oh yeah. Start a podcast. Be able to make some money on some brand deals, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then it'll be sound. But then I think the next thing I'm going to ask you is about what you're opinion on my podcast. <laughs> but and then when I had that switch of mindset, yeah, of thinking, all right, okay, so nobody really cares about what I've been up to this week, or well, people would be nosy, but they didn't really, it didn't really bring anything to my life. I was thinking no. that why do people really that bothered about me going to Marbella? It doesn't really make that much difference. I'll go to Ibiza. Yeah. And then when I thought, all right, well, how could I really utilize this to my, to my benefit? I yes. thought, oh, what, what do I do to make money? Oh, I've got a marketing agency. All yeah. right. Okay. So who's my clients? Oh, business owners. So why don't I reach out to business owners and network with them? And then hopefully they'll think, oh, Adam's sound and then do it. Then when I started doing that, I managed to sign a couple of clients from it. And even though I don't directly make money from the podcast as a byproduct, I will within yeah. my business. Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. And for me to, because I really enjoy having the conversation with the business owners. It's so fascinating of where they started and where they are now and how they got there and everyone's journey is different. Yeah, and yes. they say bouncing ideas off people. And for me to be able to reach out to somebody that I find really interesting and maybe a bit inspirational and say, how do you want to come on the podcast? And let's have a chat about your story. Like yeah, same, yeah, same with yeah. you. And then they see me for me rather than me as Adam, the social media or Adam, the marketing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then we can build that relationship with them further down the line. If they reach out to me and say, should we talk about TikTok or whatever? Or mm. I say to them, or love to help you improve your, your social media. It's a lot more organic and, and just more, I don't know. It, it just, just works better that way. And I think you absolutely, you've done the right thing. I can see how it's changed as well. Mm. How you present yourself on your podcasts as well. Mm -hmm. you, you've got, I mean, how you do it. I mean, it's fantastic. A lot of people just sit at a home, record. And just send mm. it. But you've got all the equipment. You go to people's houses or places of work or whatever, mm. and you set up and record. It's a lot to ask. Mm. And I can see where that can get tiresome. Mm. Absolutely. It's like when we used to be in a band and you had to go and set up all the equipment first, set the drum kit up, take it all out of the van. And that's that what was I mean, yeah. Paul Lake, that you was. think, oh, I can't be bothered. Yeah. When you're there, but when the you're moment. there, yeah, that's the best bit. And all the rest of it is like, oh, we've got to put all the stuff back in the van now. Yeah. You know, but you're doing it on a high then because you've done just done a half an hour awesome gig. Hmm. But, um, yeah, no, I think I, I can, I can see it in, in the way and the format you've got, I think is brilliant as well. The way you've, with your, with your three facts and you're going through, you know, because people like talking about themselves. That's a favorite topic of conversation. It's the it best is. topic of conversation. Yeah. People like talking about themselves. So I didn't have a clue what I was going to say at all. I sort of had an inkling about the facts. Mm. But when you're in front of the camera, you think, <laughs> and your brain goes, your brain freezes and you think, <laughs> what am I going to say now? Yeah. So, but, but yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I sorry. think structure as well is yeah, so important. Structure, yes. Like when I first started, I thought, 
and I need to talk an hour to someone. Mm. I need to talk to someone for an hour. For what an do hour. I talk about? But yeah. then when you say, all right, we'll do the three facts for 10 minutes, and then you talk about them, what they were like growing up for 20 minutes, and then their business entrepreneurial thing for 20 minutes, and the last yeah. 10 minutes is the biggest regret and biggest mistake. It makes it so much more manageable. Yeah, and you can, yeah. And I feel like I kind of, I like Stephen Bartlett's Diary of CEO one. So right. it's like he kind of just talks about people's journey. And so I just think it's just, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Absolutely. Especially yeah. Yeah. If, if I'm interviewing someone for the first time, it just makes me understand them a bit more and of course. You can ask different questions yeah. and, and, and that kind of thing. I think that's, that's one thing yeah. I'd say to people. This is, this is quite bizarre actually, because, you know, I usually just talk to you over Instagram or, or and I listen to your voice, <laughs> but having you in the actual, my studio is, is quite bizarre. <laughs> quite bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, so last thing before I say about biggest mistake or biggest regret. Okay. How would you say my podcast has improved or adapted or evolved over the time? Because it launched December 2021 and now we're in yeah. March 2023. So how would you say the last year and a half-ish it's improved, has <laughs> evolved or developed or, or changed? It's, it's improved, absolutely. It's a long way to go though. <laughs> well, it's... See, the thing is, like I said before, you adapt. You see, you you haven't got your own studio. Mm. You know, like you said before, you said you'd love to have your own studio. And like, yeah. great, you know, you could have the setup how you wanted it. You could have the lighting how you wanted it. You have the audio set up. All you have to mm. do is press record. Bosh, all done. You carry your equipment with you to different places and record mm. in different places. Where you have... Sorry, I'll interject. Sorry. Just the reason for that yes. is because, say, for me... It's easier for me to go to their place of work and they're more comfortable. So they open up more. Yes. Whereas they have a good, studio, they'd yeah. be a bit more like, well, whatever. Well, that adds to the ambience of, mm-hmm. not ambulance, the ambience <laughs> of your, your, each cast is different because you're in a different place. Yeah, it's cool. And where you're speaking to your guest, they're, like you said, they're in their comfortable place mm. and that's part of their personality as well. Mm. So I think that's brilliant. And I think, cause you started off with Luke. Yeah. And he were like, talking over a table sort of that way yeah. but you've got you've got to the point now where you know you're sort of like this setup now yeah. you're you're usually on this side yeah no. <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> to put you off but it's only because the arm is for this yeah and i didn't have another microphone stand for you there but that was the only reason mm-hmm. and i thought i just think it's well i think you've got you've got into a good workflow i mm-hmm. think you've got into a flow of where you put the lights where you put the camera where you place your clients and then you don't have to worry about it then. You just have to hit record, and then you, like you said, use the structure of your podcast to just have a conversation, you know, and chats is the best way to say you're just having a chats, you know. And I think because you've just kept like that, been consistent, and I think the consistency is shown in the quality of your videos as well, Mm -hmm. I think. And plus I can see your thumbnails have changed over time, and they're, they're quite good as well. And I think that I'm not a YouTube mm. person, but I know your thumbnails are an important part of it. Mm. But I think I've also improved over time mm. whilst doing your videos. Mm. So I found ways of making your videos sound better as well. So like you said, when you thought you only had the one mic on, I found a way that I could get you both in there and you wouldn't, you mm. wouldn't have thought that had happened. So I think. We're both growing yeah. in both our businesses. And, you know, I'm always looking to find new ways of making my job quicker. Yeah. Not 
diminishing the quality and sometimes even getting better quality as well in some mm. cases. You know, some audio I get, some of the audio I get from you, I'm thinking, oh, how are you going to do that? So it pushes me to get you to and where you, think, you need oh, to be. I obviously recorded that. <laughs> That's a nice way to say <laughs> Probably wouldn't have stuck the podcast out if I was just doing it, just like general chit-chat. Yes. And say when, like, when we first started last year, I was doing it bi-weekly and I was doing the weekly... Yeah. YouTube video of just me going on holiday or me talking about whatever. And when I changed it, started to marketing, mm. like a short one. But then this year, like you say about the consistency, I feel like it's a really important marketing tool for me and my business to yeah. help grow. That's why I said to you last year, I said, right, next year I'm going to do one every week. I'm going to stick to it. Yes. Even though it is a lot of time investment for me, it's it's worth it, isn't it? And like you, you, so. you, you were saying to me before the podcast, yeah, that people think that they're going to get a direct return from the podcast, and you're not going to get it straight away. No. It, it's one of them things that you need to be willing to be it's, for the long term. It's you need to have faith. Yeah, I think in yourself. Yes, faith I, in I think, yourself. I think absolutely. more than anything, and and just don't give up on it because mm. long form content so valuable. I I I think it's well, it's what they call green. Evergreen? I don't know. Because uh, you've made this content now. Forever. And it's, and it's there forever. And, and you can take snippets and all sorts of things, repurposing and everything. So, I mean, and that's what my main business is these days. It's yes. short form content. And I can, if I want, I, I know I should do more, but you can repurpose it forever. And yeah. if you see someone on Instagram or TikTok, you see in 20 second snippets of them. And then if they like you, but they mm. want to see more, they'll watch a long form piece of content. Exactly. Yeah. And then they'll really understand who you are as a person, not just yeah. that. Five ways to go viral on TikTok. They'll yeah. think, all oh, right, well, Adam, he lives in Cumbria or he went on holiday there or yeah. does his podcast editor or, or whatever. And it's just, yeah, I think if you've got a business and you don't have a podcast, mm. then you're missing out on opportunity. But it, just something I'll add to that as well is, because I know you're a massive TikToker as well. Stopped posting recently, though. Oh, have you? Yeah, I've been okay. too busy. I need that's to get back on it, and I want to start doing it with the podcast clips. That's what I want to do. Okay, okay. That's, yeah, that would that work. That work. But I was saying also, the audiences are different. Mm. What I've what I have noticed is that long form content, people who are introverted mm. prefer long form content like blogs and podcasts, and then you've got your extroverts that like your immediate sort of Insta likes, yeah. and TikToks, and stuff. The, the reels and TikToks are very extroverted ways. And that's a very extroverted audience. Everybody will like, you know, I'm, you know, I'll flick for like half an hour if I forget, oh, didn't have a time to say, stop looking. (laughs) Because it's, it is, a load of it is rubbish half the time, but you'll get the Mm. one odd thing that you think, oh, that's interesting. It's a dopamine hit, isn't it? It's exactly. But. You've got two audiences. And I think if you've got short form and long form, Mm. you're covering both. Yeah. Bases. And like you said, somebody who just sees you on a short TikTok clip goes, Oh, I like the cut of his jib. You know, I like what he's saying. Mm. And then they know you've got a podcast. Then they'll get to know you a bit better by listening to you on the podcast. Yeah. And vice versa as well. You know, I like, I like the way that you've, you're interviewing people and you listen mm. and you, you ask great questions as well. And you, you're in, you're enthusiastic and about mm. your guest. Yeah. And what, or not what they're talking about. And you bring the best out in them, I think, as well. And 
I've forgotten where I'm going with yeah. this. But no, I was going to say, like, I'm genuinely interested in the people that I interview. Yeah. And yeah. I can see that. I c- if I wanted to, I could maybe message, like, famous people, but mm. that doesn't really bring anything to me. Like, I'd rather interview people that... Well, you're just doing just a, normal. a networking, really, yeah. aren't you? And, and yeah. say, I was going to say, I think it's important, well, for me or anybody else who's similar-ish, yeah. to be strategic with who you interview as well. Not too strategic, but yeah. say for me... I think it's important, say, at the moment, I've been focusing on messaging people on LinkedIn because I think LinkedIn is a channel that I really want to grow on and I think there's more valuable connections. So if I can interview people who've got a decent following or engagement on LinkedIn, Hmm. then when I post a podcast on LinkedIn, I'm getting some good reactions, more on like Facebook and Instagram, really. And then when, say, their network goes and listens to the podcast, they think, oh, yeah, Yeah. I've listened to X podcast and they come across me and they come into the short form content and oh, yeah. the long form content. And then if I message them further down the line, they say, oh yeah, I've seen that person. And that's just a great way to pick pockets of people Absolutely. and say, right, or oh, I've gained a hundred people from that podcast. So I've gained mm. 50 people from that podcast and another 200 people from that podcast. Then after you build all in these pockets, you've got a decent community and a core audience that trust you and value you yeah. and, and, and that kind of thing. So that's kind of like direction I'm, I'm at the moment. Say strategic. It's not really strategic. It's no, kind no, of just it's like it, the direct. It, it is strategic. I mean, the big thing about podcasts is, as well as having your own podcast, it's interviewing other people who had podcasts mm. so that you bring their audience to you and you get interviewed. So you need to be getting interviewed more yourself by other podcasters as well. Mm. I don't and, think I'd like that though. <laughs> well, depends on, I mean, yeah, because, well, they wouldn't have the same t- strategy that you have to mm. your the format you have, they might have their own format. But I mean, if, if you put yourself up to say, I'm, I'm up for being, you know, interviewed. because you can be interviewed by lots of people. There's yeah. be people starting out too. Yeah. So it might be a good way of getting in front of other people. Cause I know mm. a lot of my podcasters, they're on other people's podcasts all the time because they're getting in front of their audiences, you see. Yeah. And that's how they help each other. Just makes sense. So a good tip is when you want to launch a podcast is usually to have at least four or five interviews. And launch them all at the same time, but yeah. ask the people you've interviewed to get their audience to listen to your podcast on the first day. And, you know, you'll get quite a good first listen to your first episode and then people will drop off. But the ones that like it will stay with you and you've, yeah. you've, you know, you've garnered another, you know, more people to, to your, definitely. yeah. yeah so you're doing it hard way around because yeah. you're networking. So you're still getting in front of other people because I'm sure the people you've interviewed will want to show off yeah. the video and say, yeah, yeah, we've got interviewed on a podcast. So they get the people that they know to come and listen to you. Yeah, so they're you're still friends. getting their audience, not yeah. as big, but you'll get their audience. Yeah. Yeah. And in Cumbria, nobody's really got a podcast as well. So well, that's, that's massive. That's, that's no, this is the same kind of podcast yeah. that I do. Not that I know of anyway. No. And I, and I wouldn't know if there was one. So yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Mm. So then the next thing, biggest make a big regret, personal business. Oh, bloody say. hell. One of the other or both. Regret. Wrap this up soon, I reckon. Okay. <laughs> I think it's not okay. Ages. Um, <laughs> I, honestly, I can't say I've got any regrets. No. I've made mistakes in my life, but mm. I believe all the choices I've made have got to me where I am now. Yeah. Good or bad. It's, it's developed me who I, as a, who I am as a person. I've got, you know, loving fiance. She's fantastic. I've got great family around me. Mm. I've got a, a job that supports me. I've got a roof over my head. You know, I've 
you know, when I was young, I was spending on credit cards and trying to keep up with the Joneses, but I couldn't, you know, that got me in loads of debt. And so that was something I learned. So I suppose that would be a, a regret, I suppose, but it's made me manage my money better now. Yeah. Because I know what I was like in those times of complete, I've got no money. I can't, I can't buy the train to work. I've got to get on the train and try and sneak on without paying. Yeah. Or I've got no, I've all I've got is 60p for food today. So, you know, a packet of chips is probably as best as I can get, you know, so I've been through those hard times, but I wouldn't say I regret them. I think they've just made me stronger and given me more confidence to know that I'm not going to go back there again. Yeah. I think it's important, isn't it, to go through the tough times, isn't it? Yeah. Because otherwise, like you said, if there's no tough times, you won't know what the good times are if they're always good. Mm. And I'm a good believer in that. Cool. Right, so as always on the podcast, we have the technical difficulty. The battery died. <laughs> Fantastic. So it wouldn't be a podcast without a technical difficulty, <laughs> would it? So Phil, anyone that's thinking of starting a podcast on the fence, what would you, what would you say to them? Just do it. Just do it. Just research it yourself or give me a call or I'm on Instagram at podcast underscore assist or phil at mypodcastassistant.com. Send me an email. I can give you some tips on where you need to go, what you need to do, like I did with yourself. Yeah. Plug here, if I, if I may. Are you meant to, yeah. Well, I'm actually coming up, because I'm at, I'm at capacity of actually, I'm starting to create a digital package to allow people to edit their own podcasts in a really simple way that will still give them professional results. It still means you have to do it themselves, but the workflow I'm creating is so easy. It's like editing a Word document, but, it, but, but you're editing the audio at the same time. So that is coming hopefully the end of March. Well, exciting, yeah. I've got loads of videos to record for it, and I hate recording videos, so it may take a bit longer, <laughs> but I've got a new website coming out, hopefully at the end of March as well. So that'll be mypodcastassistant.com. So if you go on there, there's loads of tips. And if you go on my Insta feed, there's loads of tips there from starting what equipment to have. On my website, there's a quiz on what equipment you need, depending if you're on a bootstrapping budget or if you've got all the money in the world. So that'll tell you what microphones you need and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that's, I'd say that's probably where you want to get started. Have an idea. You want to go with it, flesh it out with me and we'll see if it, we can run with it. And then you just then need to, you know, get a plan of how many episodes you want to do. And if you want to do a solo or if you want to do a in the interview or there's more of you, there might be four of you, you know, you might want to just do a chat where there's just four of you chatting about stuff, you know. Lots of people do video as well. I'm not doing video myself, but if you want to do it, I can let you know what sort of equipment you need to actually start and do that. So highly recommend everyone go and check out Phil. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, like the video, comment your favorite part. If you've got any questions for Phil, leave them in the comments below. This one, Apple or Spotify, make sure to follow the podcast and leave a five star review. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>